Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your host, Joe Lou, and today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, who's the co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of transformation, wife to Dr. Sammy. You're joining us on another sermon following our vision series about the peaks and the valleys and whether all of us in our different walks of life experience highs and lows and those are unavoidable things that um, affect us whether we know it or not and for the most part when we do experience these things it's often important to think about who has been with you along this journey. When you're at the highest of highs and at the deepest valleys Um, Do we have people that can celebrate our victories with us and share our defeats with us? And do we have people that um, can really walk this life together in such a way that we can really fulfill the vision that Christ has for our community and for what kind of relationships that we can share? Because love truly is a beautiful thing. And when we do have people that can navigate through this journey of life together, it's all for the better. And it's really a lovely picture of what... um, the hope of the world, the local church, and who Jesus Christ really uh, exemplifies in our lives. And so this is our vision for our community for 2020 and for the church at large so that we can be people that love and can love well and receive love well also. Without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Today's scripture is from John chapter 17, verses 20 to 25. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Welcome, Dr. Martin Luther King's weekend. Uh, I want to share today about a story and a lesson, a deep, profound lesson that I learned by going on a ride that probably could kill you with my son a few years ago at Universal Studios. Let's put this picture up here. Um, so, you know, we were at, in California, and my kids wanted to go to Universal. We went to Disney, so we stopped by Universal. Man, it's really expensive. Why have kids, right? I mean, 
but okay, but we love them. We're gonna keep them. And you know, my son was my son was like, you should get the speed pass. I'm like, no, I'm not paying for that. You know, we're arguing about this. And so you know, rides are like you know, it's not like Disneyland where you get a fast pass, which I hi highly encourage you to do if you do go. It'll, it'll save you a lot of um, problems with uh, families. And um, so we're there, and my son says, Dad, there's one ride I want to ride. That's the Jurassic Park ride. The Jurassic Park ride is a ride that drops you about 100 feet suddenly out of nowhere. And I said, why would I want to do that? <laughs> I said, listen, bro, I'm old now. I've been through the deepest valleys and the highest mountains. I've been through thrills you won't even understand and depression you probably don't understand at all. Why would I want to go right and remind me all of that? Because, Dad, because I want to. I said, okay, I love you, son. Remember this. Even when I pass away and I die, I want you to remember I did this with you. Because I will. Until we got in line. Oh, my goodness, the line is two and a half hours long. For the, why do we pay... $400 to go into a park to wait for, for a two-minute ride. What is wrong with us? But we went on it. Oh, my goodness. This ride was amazing. I loved it. My son did not. He goes, Dad, why would you make me do that? I'm like, what? There's a lesson I learned through this ride that drops you about 100 feet, so about 75 feet out of nowhere. That's a lot like life. You're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. That's something you cannot choose and, or control. You can't control when you're going to have these highlights or these bloopers in your life. You will have them. Sometimes that drop, the disappointment, the depression, the anxiety will be palpable. And it seems like you'll never get back up. And you can't choose. It's not even if, it's what? It's when. It's when that will happen. Not if. But what the ride teaches you is who you can ride with. Like the great cultural theologian Vin Diesel in Fast and Furious, he says, ride or die. <laughs> I thought that was corny at first, but I realized you do choose the people you can take these rides with because you will have up and downs. That is inevitable and unavoidable. You can choose your community. Because when you go down and when you go up, it doesn't matter how low you go, the greatest pain, more than the pain of failure or whatever you're going through, is loneliness while you're suffering. You need someone to hold on to. Because my son was holding on to me during the drop. He sounded like a girl for a moment in that 75 drop. And he goes, Dad, I thought I was going to die. I'm never going to do this again. I said, thank God. I'm never paying for this again. <laughs> but you go to the top. Mountain experiences, accolades, achievement, great successes, and you have no real community to celebrate with you. It is a greater loneliness and despair. 
it's odd, isn't it, that you can experience the same feeling compounded by achievement and failure or depression. The same thing you feel in the top of the mountain is the same thing you feel in the valley. Loneliness. Why? Because life is about what? Relationships. Tell someone next to you, life is about relationships. Your success in your life, in the end of your life, will not be about what you have coming after your name or the columns in your bank account or what you own and what assets you have. It will be who loves you and who you love. This is how we define wealth in one's life. We live for, we were made for relationship and we were made from relationship. Why there's this haunting in the human heart for community is because we were created before the foundations of the world from a community itself, the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, the community, perpetual community of love that is at the center of the universe. This is matter itself. This is the essence of the universe. Thermodynamics teaches it, that everybody, everything in the universe is interconnected, even if you don't feel that way. And so the longing of the human heart is to be in relationship. And relationship, and how close you are, and how much intimacy you have in your life, is really how successful you are. Because that's the only thing you can choose. And as we look at this passage today, John 17, as we talk about vision of our church, and as I said, 180 doesn't have an original vision. We copy it from Jesus. My vision does not matter because Jesus had a vision for a community as well. From the beginning of time, the community he was part of, which is called the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Spirit, the Trinitarian vision. In essence, if you break down and reduce what the Trinity is, it's a community, ever-flowing community of love. And that community created creation. And that's why everything, every fiber in our body longs to be loved and to love. And without that, we can't live. So we were made from community for community. And in John 17, Jesus prays at the most darkest and difficult, turbulent moment in his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, called, originally known as the Passion Week, the night before he would be betrayed and be crucified. And in this garden, he's sweating blood because of anxiety and pain. But he prays to his Father. And in that prayer, there's a vision of the church that he longs for. He prayed for you. Tell someone next to you, he prayed for you before you were here. Can you believe that? That before you were even conceived, 2,000 years ago, Jesus in this garden, before the night he would be betrayed, the passion, the week, he prayed for the church that would believe in a message of the gospel through his disciples. That here near Union Square in AMC Theater, Jesus saw this community. Not just our community, I'm talking about the community of faith worldwide, two billion in the same community. So let's read. And this is what Jesus says the night. My prayer is not for them alone. Right? He prayed 
for his disciples, the 12 that he asked to keep watch with him at the greatest valley of his life, the greatest low point of his life. And then he prayed, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. So what is he talking about? He's talking about the com eternal community, ever-flowing community of love from, the be from before time began. And he's talking about the community that will be formed out of this community of love through Jesus. I and them and you and me, so that they might be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me. And I have loved them even as I have loved you loved me. And Jesus gives us a gesture or a glimpse of the community he's envisioning that the church would become. And he's practicing what that community should look like. So what does Jesus do at the greatest low point in his life? This valley. Let's use the analogy of a journey. His valley. He invites what? His friends. To share with him in his suffering. The twelve disciples, though imperfect, is sharing with him in the greatest hour of pain and doubt and suffering. The church, Jesus envisioned, would become something very similar, that we would share in our sufferings together at the lowest point of our lives. Amen? The church is different than any other community out there. You go, why is that? Because no other community, no, no matter how good, which could have the glimpses of heaven, which could have glimpses of good, which can have the glimpses of the Trinity, there can be many good things, but if you read the passage clearly, it says that there's only one community that he has given his glory to. Now I want you to catch that part. Very, it's very important. Verse 22. Read it, pay attention, read it with me. I have given them what? I have given them what? The glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. The ecclesia... It's the only mechanism in which this Godhead perpetually overflows. The love overflows. It's the chosen vehicle in which God uses to represent who he is. And you're like, man, really? That's a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility. Right? D.L. Moody said that out of 100 people right out in the city, 99 will read the Christian and only one will pick up the Bible. And you're like, man, you're saying that I reflect God? Yes, all of us collectively are called to reflect him. And you're like, oh, man, I don't know, I don't know. But don't get twisted, okay? Because let me tell you, I, I prayed a, a prayer, and I'm going to share with you a prayer I never shared in over 10 years of preaching. It's the first time I'm sharing this prayer I prayed, and God answered this prayer when I was like, I think, 19. 
I prayed, God, show me heaven. I want to see heaven, O oh Lord, I said. When I was young, I prayed. And then one day, at a hotel lobby, I got an answer my prayer. I saw something called a fondue. <laughs> I'm not joking. I am not joking. This is serious, okay? This is, this, this is theologically sound. Wait with me and watch it, okay? I, saw, I asked the hotel person in the I said, what is this? It's the first time seeing a fondue. Well, I guess you would call it a river, a perpetual river of chocolate. We were, why? Why is there such a beautiful thing? Like Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory is the closest thing I saw, but never really saw this in real life. Personified. And I said, so the chocolate overflows? Like, yeah. And what, is, what, are, what are all these other things? Yeah, that's bread, that's strawberries, that's, and you dip in the ever-flowing chocolate. And I, I bowed my head and said, oh, Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. This is what heaven would look like. See, the church is called not to be the chocolate, not the perpetual chocolate. We can't. We're the other good things, like strawberries, other things you dip in the fountain. The fountain of ever blessing, of the fountain of everlasting love. The Trinity is the supply. The fountain is God. The Trinity provides all the sustenance we need in this life and more. It's an overflowing. The church is called to be a community of overflowing. Tell someone next to you, overflowing. And you go, well, how can I give that supply to everyone? How can I be the example of Jesus to people outside when I feel like, I don't have that supply. Well, you're not called to be the supply. You're just called to dip in the supply. So our immersion into God is so critical to us being representing him. Amen? Do you see that? God was just supplying this Gethsemane. Right? This is why Jesus is praying. He's not praying to the disciples. He's saying, you guys are the hope. He's praying, God, please help these guys. Help me and help everybody. I hope that there's other believers later in the future. It's a hope. It's a prayer. But I remember in our community... For the last decade, seeing most powerful things. For example, let me show you what a valley looks like. So Jesus is in a valley. A valley, based on definition, is the low point between a mountain or hills. Geologically speaking, a valley is a depression. That's longer than it's wide. What does that mean? I have no idea. I'm not a geologist. But I got the word depression. <laughs> valley is the low point. But what's curious about a valley is that the low point between a hill and a mountain, usually with a river running through it. I was like, ah, a river running through it. You see, a lot of times in our lives, in the low point, we don't believe there will ever be a river ever be life again in our lives. That this is it. And I've experienced people's valleys in this community. I remember a resident, a surgical resident, I'm not going to mention his name, Dr. Lee, yes, this is his name. I remember he was beaten up by attendings, berated and yelled at, saying he couldn't top, he'd possibly be a surgeon. And I was like, they're probably not. I was like, no. I was like, and, and I remember he wrote me a card this past week, and he wrote 
I, I did not know Lee was this poetic. Like, I was surprised. I was like, wow, God, you're really moving in his life. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he, he mentioned 10 years of moments, and they were very hard moments and good moments. But he talked about the valleys. And then he always talks about this one moment, to me, seems like a mundane day. Talks about a moment when he really thought about giving it all up, his surgical career. And I bought him pizza. I said, that's it? I bought you pizza? That's it. And then you were there. And you said, God has a plan for all this darkness. Sometimes we just say things in darkness. <laughs> but I did. But in that valley, when the community, overflowing from the Godhead, shows up, a river run through, runs through it. For him, that was the fountain of love flowing. This is Jesus with his community. A river runs through it. I remember a member in our community, his father got leukemia. My, son, this, my youngest son was being born. And we went to the same hospital. And we could be together. And even in the most tragic news, a river ran through it. God's love overflowed. I remember when the, the night of the election in 2016, when Trump won and everyone wondering about their status as DACA recipients called and said, what is going to happen to my life? And I said, it doesn't matter. We're going to be together. We're going to fight this together. A river ran through it. There were times when people thought they would, lose their, they would lose their jobs and uncertainty enters their lives and heartbrokenness. So many more. The times we were there for each other. God's love runs through it. Folks, the power of the gospel, the power of this community that God envisioned, right now, right here, is you. You can be the very life that represents God to the person struggling. And that's what the church is called to be. This glory, Jesus says, that he gave to us, it's the only community that has him fully in it. And why is the church so very important? Why is this faith community so important? Not just this one, but globally? Because we're the ones called to most represent closely who God is, <coughs> and whose God love is. <coughs> Excuse me. Amen? Let's go down here. Sunflowers, I'd love to share this story. Sunflowers when, I mean, aren't sunflowers friendly? I have an idea, but we're going to put a sunflower on our 180 Church House logo. That's going to be cool. <laughs> but um, why? Why? Because sunflowers are, are so happy. They greet you. Hi. They, they look like they're smiling. But when the sun is not out, sunflowers, what they do is they begin to point to each other. And people wonder why th this is the case. But sunflowers, when the sun is not out, they share their own life with each other, their own essence with each other. And they conserve the energy and they share it with one another to live. And in the same way, 
in our darkest valleys, that's what the church is called to be, a sunflower, where we share our lives with each other. Just because the sun is out right now and it's hard doesn't mean it's not going to come out. Just because you're doubting what the Son of God, what God might be doing in your life right now, and you have doubts, it's okay. See the reflection of his glory in someone else's life to give you hope for future grace. We have to become a reflection of God's glory in community. Not individually, but collectively. It's a weighty calling, but that's the, that's the power of the Spirit working in the ecclesia and the community of faith. Amen? So first lesson we learn here is Jesus envisioned a community is what? That in our valleys, that I, like I said in the very beginning, you cannot control your high points and your low points. But you can choose who you would ride with, who you would, as Vin Diesel says, poetically, to ride and die with. Probably might be the most important decision you make in your life. And God says, and Jesus says in this prayer, that I want this community, my community, that reflects my glory and my love to ride and die with people when they lose hope, when they're in their darkest moments of their life, that we would share our lives together, we would share in our sufferings, share in our pain. That's the vision that Jesus had, to share in the valley experience. Amen? And I pray that you would reflect that glory and that love in our community. Secondly, Jesus says this, Father, I want those who you've given me to be where I am and to see my glory. Now, Jesus is not talking about a valley experience. He's not talking about what? A mountain, a hill experience. Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am. He's talking about heaven, an eschatology, a future and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Again, going back to the community, perpetual community of love before time. Righteous Father, although the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you, they know that you have sent me. So Jesus' desire is not just during valleys, during hardships, but also what? The greatest moments of your life, of his life. He wanted, his desire was for his friends to celebrate with him, to see him in his full essence. And that is so important in a place like New York, where it's so competitive, right? Where people chew you out, stab you from the front. You know, they, they'll do anything to succeed in New York. And, you know, even if you share... Like, hey, I'm engaged. People are like, oh, so great. And they're not happy. It's the greatest difficulty in New York, what people feel, is that when they succeed, they go, well, well now what? Who's going to celebrate with you? If people don't celebrate with you and are there, stand and watch with you in the valley, there's no way they can understand your journey and celebrate with you in the mountaintop. It's almost like they don't care. We've got to be equally invested. 
I remember in 2017, after I finished my dissertation, I graduated from a doctorate program. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. All my, my parents, both my parents passed away. And, and a bunch of people wanted to come that are so dear. But they've really embarrassed me because when they called my name, it was really bad. It was like a minute rupture of ovation. And people were like, who the heck is this guy? And as I'm walking out, so he goes, are you famous? I go, no. I guess they just love me a lot. But truthfully speaking, we need a community that not only shares with us in our valleys, but celebrates who we are. Who will be happy for you when you succeed and you flourish. That their commitment to you is not to be there. Because some people can be there in your loss and I still have a hard time. He goes, hey, I don't want you to flourish beyond me. But Jesus' desires for him, for his disciples and his friends and new believers and believers in the future to see him in his full glory. A church must be committed, a community here must be committed to everyone's flourishing, even beyond them. Because that's what love is, right? It's a commitment to the greatest value to the other person, as long as we can hold on to that. And I remember that. And I've forgotten how important that is. In this community, I pray that we would become men and women that would answer this prayer Jesus prayed to his Father. That we would love other people's glory. Tell someone next to you, you're awesome. You're like, well, I'm practicing saying that you're awesome. You're awesome. But the truth is, most people don't believe they're awesome. Like, people who act like they're awesome are just lying. They're overcompensating. Except maybe Kanye. He was the only one that believes he's awesome. But, I mean, most people, 99% of the population, they're just pretending there's insecurity, there's so much imposter syndrome. We need to be able to lift people up and love them and cheer them on. Because life is not just shared, but also celebrated. A community that shares life and celebrates life. That's the vision of the church. Amen? So secondly, a community Jesus envisioned is that Upon the mountaintop, on the hills, we would cheer and be committed to the flourishing of every single, every single person's life that comes in these doors, just like God would cheer them on in their life. Amen? That's the vision. Remember, if you feel so much pressure, just remember the fondue. You're not the chocolate. People just need to be able to dip you in the chocolate. And that's it. God is the overflowing fountain of chocolate or love, whatever you want to call us. They're both synonymous to me, chocolate and love. But that's the vision Jesus had for his community. Let's stand and pray together.
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and Friends. I'm your host, Joe Lou, and today I'm here with Pastor Lydia, who is the co-founder here at 180 Church, Pastor of Transformation, wife to Dr. Sammy. How are you doing, Pastor Lydia? I'm good. Welcome back, Joe. Oh, thank you. I just came back from California, hanging out with a friend who moved back. We're on a series called the Vision Series, and I think um, a lot of the emphasis and a lot of the focus that we, Dr. Sammy has been bringing up in his sermons is largely revolving around community and how um, we think for our community and the community of God worldwide, the importance of this community and how this local community, wherever your churches might be or where our church is located in New York City, can stand to be the hope of the world, especially in times where it seems like, and Dr. Sammy mentioned this earlier in his sermon, that, you know, where it seems like unity is just kind of tougher to come around these days. There's a lot of dissent and turmoil, whether it's political or um, just in terms of like our political climate and such. Um, And so I think it's timely and very important that we are having this conversation about the importance of community and what that community of God really looks like. Um, and in particular, I think this sermon resonated really deeply with me because, and I I was mentioning this to you earlier before, um, but life seems just much harder to undergo or to travel through or navigate through when you're kind of doing it on your own, you know, and it's when we experience the highs and lows in life, which everybody experiences, um, some maybe experiencing very low lows and some experiencing very high, uh, highs, where we take a moment and think about, well, I tend to take a moment to think about who is there with me or who is around me during those times. Um, And when I was listening to Dr. Sammy preach and talk about this sermon, I was like, I couldn't help but shake the feeling that this is the most important thing. At least for me, is the relationships that we have and the people that we have in all the moments of life um, because I personally don't know where I would be without some of the closest relationships I have and the friendships I cultivated through the, our church um, and people that are like-minded and uh, trying to follow God as well. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of start off this conversation and talk about like, um, and, you know, just kind of expound a little bit more on the importance of uh, choosing the people that you want to surround yourself with when it comes to navigating through our lives. You know, um, just that's not really a question, but um, my question, more or less, <laughs> in in simpler terms, uh, is, you know, w- what kind of a community do you think that, what, what, kind of, what, what does a community look like where we can live together through our trials and uh, that we can celebrate with, with, you know, like just kind of put in explicit terms, more or less. What kind of? <laughs> <laughs> what kind I'm, of? I'm having I'm having trouble asking a question because it's just like <laughs> so. I mean, like it's just like the sermon was just so self-explanatory. You know okay. What I mean? um, but I, I guess I'm just asking what the community looks like. Mm. Community of God, or to you, or like what you also envision for our community. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, the message is powerful because it was, yeah, it was very um, clear and simple, right, yeah. the points. The first one being, one, you know, the valleys, that there are valleys. It's not about if or 
um, but but it's really about when mm. everyone will will come across a valley, a low point, a depression of yeah. some sort, and you know, and there will be times where people will you know come across hills mm. which could, should be celebrated. Um, yeah, it's simple as that, but you know, it's because we are human beings, it's so difficult. Mm. And I think that's, you know, Jesus definitely emphasizes that before he is arrested and dies on the cross. Like his last prayer is that, um, that people will be found in the love of God as, you know, the, the Trinity is you, you know, like the relationship part of community mm. is really, really emphasized as he prays mm. um, to the Father, as he prays for the disciples, as he prays for the people who will believe to um, the disciples. So it's such an important piece and a piece that definitely needs not just the intercession of the Savior of the world, but um, clarifying and coaching and, you know, understanding what does it really look like mm. to live in a community um, that reflects this beautiful unity, right, yeah. that God is talking about. Um, and I guess it's not too soon to say, but I think the, not I think, but biblically the community that um, Jesus is praying about is a community of love. Yeah. Right? Relationship is really an emphasis on learning how to love well. Mm. And Jesus emphasizes that so that people will not just be in any kind of relationship, but would be in a loving one as mm. he is in relationship with the father yeah. and as the father is in relationship with Christ, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I think in hindsight we could say, Oh yeah, I'm so thankful for those moments where I got through life and it was hard, mm. but that's the thing about valleys. It's like when the low point comes, it starts all over again. Mm. The depression, like the descend descendants, like, Descendants, right? Descent. Descent, right, descent. Descent is slowly and painful. And mm. it's almost like as it goes down, you know, you're, gra you're turning counterintuitively from how you feel mm. to share something that is so unpleasant to you, something that you can't even process, mm. um, something that is painful and shameful. Going against the grain of human ego and reaching out for help. Yeah. And Jesus shows us that when he um, asks his disciples to pray with him and mm. to, you know, to come and be with him. So, yeah, it's, I think it's definitely something to know, but also something to be reemphasized and um, reverbalized. Mm. And, you know, that ultimately it's about love and, about loving each other yeah as the father loved christ and as christ loves the father mm. so yeah how does that look like i think there are, yeah there's lots to talk about yeah and understand right yeah no i agree i think it's uh like you said and like i also feel the same way that this this um message about how we 
are in relationship with one another out of love and to love one another is like the most important it's the most critical thing when it comes to uh walking this life with christ and but it's it is much simpler said than done i would i would say just kind of on a personal note because i think when i was listening to this message the information presents itself in such a way where it's like oh yeah that's that's how it's supposed to be like you're supposed to um be with people or like find love and uh be in relationship with people in your darkest moments um and celebrate people in the moments that need to be celebrated or in like the uh, highest points in our lives um but i think sometimes the application or the practice of doing that it seems seems sometimes sometimes lost in translation like for example um when i think about like some of the lower moments of my life it's not so easy to invite people into that if if you know what i'm saying as in like there there seems to be like some kind of resistance or barrier to allowing people also into the darkest or the lowest moments in your life like i and you kind of touched upon it like it could be shame related or it could be like you don't want people to see um your struggle or like that that might be a very vulnerable part but um i i recently i've I've been reading this book uh and by david epstein called range and there was this this is a line that I, range? I listened to. Range? Range. Yeah, and it's, a, it's about, uh, well, I don't, doesn't matter what it's about. But, like, there's this, there's this one line that I was listening to this morning. It said, you know, usually it's faster to go alone, but together you can go further. Yeah, that's been a very popular quote oh, popping up lately, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think I heard it in, like, my audiobook while I was listening to it. But mm-hmm. that, that kind of got me thinking because there's a lot of moments where I think, like, I can figure it out or I'm in this really dark place um but it's my trial or like it's it's my it's my valley to walk like I don't like I don't want other people to walk this portion of my life with for whatever reason and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or insight because I think it's like it's like it's more like a visceral reaction more so than like uh like a how can I say, like a conscious decision to to block people out in your valleys, if that makes sense? Hmm. Right. Because it's hard to, um, yes, but why? I guess why mm-hmm. is important, right? Yeah. Like what it's what's going through um, one's mind, one's heart, one's soul, right? Mm. When those things are happening, that it makes it so difficult to receive love. Um you know, mm. and I think there's so many reasons, but I think there's fear, There's it's vulnerable, mm. and normally human beings don't want to feel that. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone lives intentionally to feel vulnerable because mm. people already feel vulnerable, and in any moment of being exposed of something that you already feel you don't have control over, uh, whether circumstantial or something that's going on on the inside of your, of one's soul, you want to almost control the vulnerability. You don't want to expose mm. it for others to join in on it. Mm. There's a lot of fear, I think, that surrounds that. Mm. There's definitely fear of punishment, fear of judgment. And I think that's why it's so powerful. Like, why 
John says in First John 4 that perfect love casts out fear because mm-hmm. fear has to do with punishment, right. that it has to do with judgment. But um, one who comes to an understanding of love is really one who has overcome the fear of punishment mm. by understanding who God really is, what, what it really means that he first loved us, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's really the why. Mm. Um, and, yeah, vulnerability is such a big part. So, we're almost taught, you know, like, people talk about love, and it's like, oh, it's so nice, yeah. like, pink, and, you know, Valentine's Day is coming <laughs> out, like, pink and red, and, you know, fluff, and chocolates and yeah. sweet but love is the most vulnerable thing i think you can practice yeah in life yeah because it comes with the cost like it comes with the cost of your heart being rejected it comes with the cost of um being exposed yeah you know yeah. it comes with the cost of um not being received you know, mm. yeah, I mean, it's rejection, but I think it's like sometimes different. It's like you could prepare to be rejected, but what about when you're misunderstood mm. and not received? Like, it's so vulnerable. Yeah. But yet, this this love, um, the love that God is calling us to to be to be in is the love of God, mm. right? It's like this ultimate flow of love. And to be a, not just be aligned, but like to abide in that love mm-hmm. would empower us, right? And so that's something to be learned, right? Mm. That there is a source to check into every single day. But also taking that source. And people say, you know, when you're full of love, like it's not hard. Like when you're full of God's love, you can do all things. Yeah, but you know, I think there's a nuance to that. Mm. Like... You can be full of God's love, but you still got to take steps forward Yeah. in fear, like courageously, mm. you know, with heart. I think courageous really means with heart, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't mean all of a sudden you're just like, oh, you know, Thanos, let's kill it. Like, let's do this. Yeah. You know, it's there are steps to be taken in relationship, mm. you know, so it's difficult and i think that's why jesus prays and it is what he emphasizes over and over again and it also is this is the one thing love is one thing that makes and breaks our our faith journey too Mm. with with god and one um you know one another not saying uh, like i'm not getting theological about like you know salvation i'm not talking about that but it is Without love, there is a disconnect. And in John 15, Jesus talks about that. Yeah. That apart from me, you can't do anything. So there is a disconnect from fruitfulness of any sort mm-hmm. when that love is not overflowing right. in, in us. Mm. So, And the practice of that love in community... You know, I think that's like another another step, like understanding the love of God and then practicing it um, horizontally with people because it gets very messy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's easy to demand it, but I think it's hard definitely to practice it. Mm. Yeah. I'm so glad you, bl- you brought up the nuance of it because it's like, again, I'm I, I just like, because like cognitively kind of it it all really makes sense right like we all know how important love is in our lives how important relationship is and such like that but the 
actual act of allowing love to overflow in your life is is a process in which you have to open yourself up to that and that that is not such an easy process depending on uh each individual you know and i think it's like uh i'm glad i'm glad you brought it, it up because it's like you know we're told and we hear a lot about how uh when we're filled with love like you said you know anything's possible or like things are easier and such but it it doesn't always feel that way and i think like what i'm learning a lot from this conversation uh for myself and uh i guess just in general as we're talking about community is that it's it's not easy like it's to love and to be loved and to accept love and to share love in the way that god uh envisions for his community and for us as followers is is not the easy it's not as clear as it as it's like as it not that it's told that it's supposed to be easy, but, you know, it's just, it makes more sense in my mind than it is to actually live it out in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, th- and I think it's like, I, I'm realizing I'm not very good at it, you know, if, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm not very good at the reception of love in really low moments and to even f- be celebrated or uh, to share in celebration the journey of your life or... Um, the peaks and the troughs of uh, our day-to-day lives, you know, it's like, how can we bring people in? Because I think Dr. Sammy mentioned that choosing people to walk this life with you and having those kinds of people that celebrate you and can be with you in your suffering is one of the most important decisions that we can make, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, I think we have to reach out. Mm. It's really the only way. It's what Jesus did. In his hardest time, he reached out to his friends, the disciples, and asked them to come with him mm. and to pray with them, with him. And we have to reach out. I think that's the only way. Mm. You know, I think that we could feel an absence of love and we could say we want to love, but if we never extend, there's no relationship. And it's in the extension of our own heart and extension of receiving um, others' love that we're able to have relationship. Mm. Without connection, there's no relationship, right? So I think, reach out. Like, you know, for example, like, you know, when I go through rough times, I know exactly what I need to do. Mm. I, because... I don't want to go through it alone. So I will reach out to my prayer team. Mm. I will reach out and I will say, I'm bummed out. Like, you know, guys, I'm like bummed out about this. And I kind of, I need your prayer because Mm. this is hard for me. Um, I reach out to friends. I reach out to my husband and I reach out to God. And it's not only God. I Mm. reach out to my community. Mm. And you know what? I cannot quantify for you why that works, but I just know that in knowing that I'm connected to a bigger community, mm. I know that whatever it is I'm living for, my fight and whatever that didn't go well or whatever the discouragement or disillusionment that I may be feeling, whatever valleys I may be co- going through, I know that once I reach out, it will matter. Like there is um, like a embracing of God's love that is poured into me because I know people recognize it. Mm. Like, oh, she's going through something. I want I want to be there for her. Mm. And um, sometimes people will send me texts. Some people, people will send me beautiful pictures. Mm. Um, you know, I thought this would encourage you. I thought, 
you know, I wanted to pray for you. And you know what? It could seem like, it could feel like, oh my gosh, maybe this is too redundant. Like maybe this is overdoing it. Like so much attention is get, coming to me. Mm. Um, I'm, but you know what? That's necessary. There's no way to be like nitty gritty about how we extend our heart for each other. Mm. You know? Yeah. So I think the emphasis, our effort, like one another's effort is what makes love. Mm. Love does just does not happen. Mm. It's not just serendipitous, but it is about work put in, effort put in to make something work, to make something, make someone feel comforted, to be present, to um, listen, mm. even if you're tired, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or even if um, it's difficult, even if it's far. And I think that's what love is. Mm. It's about extending beyond yourself. Right. To sacrifice to be present for someone. Mm. So there's a there's a very proactive engagement aspect about having to. So there's their vulnerability and the sharing of what we're going through is like, and reaching out to people about it. Um, I'm not saying that's a formula or anything, but it, it it seems like there is that very active role that we have to play in order to cultivate these kinds of relationships. Yeah, love is action. Mm. If there's no movement, there's really, how could you really uh, say you loved, right? Mm. Because, you know, you could love someone in your heart and never express it. And mm. you know what? And one might say, well, I love this person, but because I don't want to get in the person's way, I will never love them by telling them or... Um, I don't want my children to be weak, so I will never affirm them. Like, you know, some, there are, are things that people believe about what makes people strong and believe as love. Mm. But I think love is meant to be communicated um, for tough or to soften. It's meant to be verbalized. It's meant to be shown through action and time and mm. creating space and through gifts and through language, you know? Because um, if it's not expressed, it's kind of like, it's more painful. Mm. Like, God expressed his love, demonstrated his love, right? By sending his son. Jesus displayed love for his friends by laying down his own life. Like, these are actions that they took. Mm. I mean, these are just one of the few, you know, one of the many things that, you know, they do, they, they have done in history, right? But without action, like, how could love exist? Yeah. So there's, there's definitely power behind those actions. Because I think it's like, what I really admire about Christ is that not, not just that he was able to display uh, love in such a powerful way and in a, in a way that really radically changed the world and us to this day, but the the one part of the verse that really grips me is is the fact that he brought people into his su own suffering also and it's like that doesn't seem powerful you know what i mean like just on on like a first glance basis it's like oh we see the son of god really struggling and in most superhero movies or like in most cases it's like they figure it out like they they do it by themselves like i'm thinking about like the dark knight you know when like christian bale or like batman he like 
gets his back broken and then like he has to climb out of the thing do you remember that no scene? no it's been so long what? okay so he, the, <laughs> the third dark knight like you know like bane breaks his back mm. and then like they're like wreaking havoc at gotham and then like he has to figure out how to get out of this like pit in the middle of the desert or something mm. and he has to like make this crazy leap mm. in order to get out of it like mm-hmm. literally out of a hole mm-hmm. um but he does he like pretty much does it by himself mm-hmm. you know what i mean like like heals rehabilitates like keeps keeps doing it keeps doing mm-hmm. it, and then like succeeds you know what i mean and, like that's like oh he's like he's like heroic because he does it. but it's like it's not really like that with christ right it's christ in the in the moment of his greatest suffering brought people in to pray to be with him in those moments and it's kind of like very v- v- I guess instinctually it's just kind of like that's that's not what i i would have thought powerful looked like but it it really Mm -hmm. is powerful Mm -hmm. in the sense that like we only go so far as the people that like help carry us through a lot of these dark times Mm -hmm. right um and that that's something i really find like really perplexing and kind of hard to admit that i have a problem doing Do do you know what i mean like as in it's because i i know that i'm surrounded by people that love me and love Mm -hmm. me very well and i'm very blessed sometimes i wonder if i take that for granted because it's like because i know that they love me i don't really need to ask them for help because you know that they love you yeah it's really hard to ask them for help yeah because you don't want to burden them yeah or is it like oh i i know that they love me like i don't i don't need the reaffirmation that they love me or like that they're there for me it's like oh i should i should know and like but that's like kind of the opposite of what mm-hmm. christ does and what like people i think have access to in terms of the overflow of god's love because like it's we know we that we need love like we know that we rely on love um just on an everyday basis but it's 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 kind of like i guess I guess what I'm trying to say is like it's really hard to reach out cuz mm-hmm. cuz like like whether we rationalize why we shouldn't ask for help or whether um there's certain ways that we just kind of dealt with the darkest times in our lives or traumatic moments in our lives that asking people for help just kind of seems like the exact opposite of what we should do because we don't want to burden other people or because we don't want to seem like a burden to others. Mhm. Yeah, it seems also that in loving others and receiving love, that healing occurs. Mm. There, it's part of our transformation, being part of a community that practices love. Mm. So it's not like an option per se. Because mm. I think if we look at it as an, oh, it's an option, like I could or could not, I don't have to. But if we look at it as that, then I think it's like, oh, I could do without. Mm. Like, it's about my abilities. It's about my strengths. Uh, when weakness happens, I'll just, like, suck it up and, you know, overcome it. Mm. But if there's no practice and of love um, in relationship with people, then actually it's in vain, you mm. know? So it's not an option. Right. Transformation happens because of love. So if we're looking to become more like Christ, and that's exactly the prayer of Christ, that he's praying that um, the world will know through the love that they have, mm. um, that you have sent me, Father, right? 
without love, there's no way to be a witness. Like without love in a community,、hmm. there's no way to become like Christ. Because the very essence of Christ's heart and why he came and why he prayed that prayer, everything about it is about love.、Hmm. You know? Yeah. So I think, you know, that, that's like the thing about, I think the misconception that、yeah. this thing can be done. We could, you know, throw the love out there. The word out there a little bit, and but we don't need it per se,、mm. like real love, anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I definitely resonate with that because I think I'm guilty of treating it as an option almost like you were kind of describing it. Because I think kinda, many, many、yeah. of us do, right? Yeah, without even realizing it. Yeah, I, I guess I mean, like, I don't want to say I'm ashamed, but it, it just kind of seems like there is a certain level of like, I. I am weak that I need you, or something like that. Something along those lines of like needing something、mm-hmm. or being in need of something、mm-hmm. displays some kind of weakness or such, or some kind of stigma along those lines.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when Christ came, he broke the curse of shame、um, that Adam and Eve felt when they, when they were not just weak, but when they disobeyed God, right?、Mm. But. They felt was immediate shame and they covered themselves up and they felt they had to hide.、Um, but when Christ died, he died for all of that, like to break shame. So if we don't turn to love of God and, ex- and allow others to experience the love of God, the shame part of, that causes isolation in a community,、um, You know, since we're in the question of how do we become a godly community that loves, right?、Yeah. Um, that isolation will occur even in a church community if love is not expressed and practiced.、Right. Shame will be、um, rampant. You know what I mean?、Mm. If love is not expressed,、mm. demonstrated in relationship. So it is the healing. Factor of a community.、Hmm. You know, it's mission too. Without love, mission will not go very far. Right. Out of duty, you know, love running out and only out of duty, it will not go far. But it's with love and the overflow of God's love, reminder of the love of God. It's the it's the expression of that love with one another.、Hmm. Being encouraged by one another, that mission will go far and wide. Yeah. You know?、Mm. So, yeah, it's not an option. It's actually our, our everything.、Mm. That's eye opening. I mean, because, like, the analogy that I'm drawing, because just jumping off of Dr. Sammy's about how there's a river that runs through the valley.、Um, and, that's, and that's because, you know, like, from the mountain, there's, like, snow and then. Comes water and then it runs off. That's、mm. it's called a runoff. But it's kind of like if we don't allow that water to run down the mountain to become a river, it's that's that's kind of what we're doing to ourselves when we're not allowing love into our lives or when we treat it as like an option per se, right? Like it's we're not allowing the full overflow of God's love into our lives and the love of others、um, if we if we treat it as something that is kind of like, oh, I don't need it or. I don't want to let you love me. Or- yeah. You know, psych,、um, psychological studies will tell you 
that people who have not lived being loved will not even know that they need love because they don't know what it is. Mm. So if you ask someone, um, just like a general question, like when was the last time you spoke to someone and they've been alone all their lives, even though there's loneliness, they won't be able to identify because they've been without it. But I think the community of God is meant to even bring awareness to that need of a human being because just mm. because you deny it does not mean that it doesn't exist right. it doesn't mean that the person is not suffering but even to that extent to help people see that you are meant to be loved mm. you know yeah that there is a god who loves them so i think it's supposed to not only transform but also even awaken need and I guess culturally or, you know, it's, I, I think culture is even catching up to this need because it's not very, you know, I think people are no longer trying to live to be successful. People are having different goals of life mm. because people are burning out so quickly, you know, because of lack of relationship, lack of connection. Mm. Um, making prior making work priorities so much that families and relationships are sacrificed. Um, so, yeah, even to that extent, to bring alertness, like you're meant to be loved this way, mm. and we may not love perfectly, but our heavenly Father does. You know. Mm. So, uh, just on the, that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, and you know, like that being on the topic that we're trying to be a community of people that can exemplify God's love wherever we go or to the people around us like it's it's a, is it important for us to experience this for ourselves in order to display it for others like can can we really access or display the love of God if we don't really experience it for or like i and i'm asking if if that has to be the case because it's kind of like i think i know what god's love is but then if it's not really being expressed in my life or like when i share love in relationship with others right like if i'm not allowing it to manifest in my relationships is it is it is it, is it something that needs to be worked on in me first in order to love others well also yeah, yeah. But I think the remedy to that is by actually loving others. Oh, so it's so it works like both ways. Yeah, because like, you know, we could say I need to do self work. I need to, you know, take time out and work on myself. Mm. But that could easily le lead to isolation as well. Yeah, I fall into that trap. <laughs> yeah, because it becomes like mind over matter. Yeah. Right, and then you go into a room full of people and you're just like indifferent hmm. you know yeah. because you have all the facts so you're gonna ace it when the test comes but relationships are never that linear mm. you know it's yeah. like so complex and complicated and you don't know when tragedy is gonna hit or a bad day is gonna hit you mm. know so it's something we can't calculate you know mm. So yeah, the only remedy to heal is to practice love. Wow. To practice what you studied. <laughs> wow. And you can easily tell, like, you know, people who love are soft at heart. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely, there's no way around it. But to actually get messy and to engage in relationship. Mm. Uh, I guess I'm going to get very real. But, uh, you know, I feel like I've sort of developed uh, like an insensitivity to people, if that makes any sense. Like mm -hmm. as in, I think throughout the course of my life, just kind of off the, off the comment you made about like being soft at heart, I think like when I was younger, I was very sensitive and very caring and empathetic mm -hmm. about people. And it almost seems like somewhere along the lines, I've developed a sense of like, oh, what's important is self-reliance, having mm -hmm. the facts and like developing a character in such a way that you're not hurt by others or like in need of others and such mm -hmm. like that. And I think that kind of developed over time uh, through, you know, traumatic moments in relationships and like the loss of friendships and such like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like what I'm getting from this conversation is I kind of have to like re reverse engineer mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think about maybe it was a necessary transition for me going from that place to where I'm at now in order to be a little bit more mature in how I can love people well. Because it's not like, you know, like I haven't, I don't, I don't really have anything figured out. But, you know, just it, I thought like this was the best way to live my life in order for me to be like, quote unquote, like good on my own, mm -hmm. I guess, if that makes sense. But mm -hmm. it seems like what I'm getting from this conversation is that. Um, I there's a lot to dismantle in order to really get to the heart of being able to love and express love well and mm -hmm. show that you deeply care about things or people. Because I, I know I care a lot, mm. but it's almost like I prevent care or mm -hmm. I prevent the expression of that care because mm. it's not smart or it's like it's not, you know, I've seen this before. Or, you know, like there are these all these reasons yeah. that you get. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's an armor that people often put on to say, I will never rely on others. Mm. I won't trust others. It seems like the reduced, like simple way to live so that th things don't get complicated. Right. If um, people can't disappoint me, I can't disappoint them. And there's no, like, you know, it's, I think it's, it sounds great in theory, right? But I, just because you know, you and I say, well, I'm sick and tired of being afraid or being insecure mm -hmm. or so I'm not going to think about it. Does that necessarily heal that part or no? I, I think it it actually increases mm -hmm. over time the parts that have not been dealt with well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, it's not the way that God intended for us. Mm. You know, I think that I think that's kind of like the example of the research that I was talking about, you know. Just because you say, I don't need it, and you no longer feel you need it, and you felt a way around it. Because it's easy. It's easy to flee from any kind of engagement. Yeah. Um, to run the other way when someone is struggling yeah, or when things get hard yeah, yeah. or w to run towards a problem only when you think you have the answers mm -hmm. to realize that you offered a lot of knowledge but maybe not so much the care you yeah. know and to you know you know what i mean mm -hmm. so 
it's not the way that Christ intended, because Christ intended for us to suffer with each other, to hurt with one another, to mourn with one another, mm. to celebrate with one another. So hmm. that could be a, some kind of code of some sort to live, yeah. but it's definitely not the life-giving, liberating way mm. that Christ designed and modeled for us. Mm. So actually, there would there will always be insecurity and fear if one lives that way. Mm-hmm. I see. And so... What you said from before is that the best way, I guess best way is not the, but I'm, again, I'm thinking like, you know, pra- as practically as possible. But I mean, like, that <laughs> um, it, it seems like the way in which that we can heal from or restore uh, this, our hearts, I guess, or my heart is to love or like, right, like you put it pretty simply that you need to act on it or you have to love others in order to heal mm-hmm. and let people love you oh. how do you do that <laughs> well when you struggle joe uh. or whenever anyone struggles um don't do it alone reach out and tell people that you're struggling uh. and ask for a prayer and that's the thing about prayer you know we throw that word like prayer 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 but it's a powerful word it's mm. the very reminder that we are connected to the god of the universe Hmm. That there is an overflow of um, love, power that flows through us from someone way bigger than us. Hmm. Someone who is infinite, a loving God, right? Loving Father. So prayer really means that, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, when you struggle, reach out. Hmm. Um, I guess on the flip side... uh is there a, a, I guess, a godly way or like a Christ-like way to celebrate? I mean, because I think just practically speaking also, I'm not good at that either. <laughs> just, mm. I guess I'm just spilling my guts. But, you know, like it's like to be celebrated is also one of the things that I, I, just, I, I just don't do well with. Or like I, it makes me feel weird mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. Or like. I don't think I have trouble celebrating my relationships and the people I have a relationship with, but I guess like to have people celebrate me or mm-hmm. um, to be there in celebration of me, uh, mm-hmm. I guess is also equally uncomfortable. Like if it's hard for me to allow, allow people into my suffering and like the troublesome times in my life, it's almost equally as hard to have people love me and, like the celebratory times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you're talking about a little bit of embarrassment, but I'm not sure if it's equal. Mm. Because celebration always, it is a party of, of something good, right? So yeah. it's pleasant. Mm. It's good. It's a great feeling if you could get over the embarrassment of the focus, right? Mm. It's not like you're sitting there being celebrated and you're just uncomfortable every moment but there is a letting go of like recognizing when you're actually being celebrated that people care about you. Mm. So, but um, yeah, I mean, how do you measure that? Equally, not equally, but you mm. know what I mean? Yeah. 
But you know, I think you're if you're in a place where you can be celebrated and there are people to celebrate with you, I think that's like half the battle. Mm. But I think becoming a person who can celebrate with others, I think that is really difficult because, um, you know, it's so competitive. Yeah. Like even in a good environment, things are mm. so competitive. You know, I think the disciples showed it. They yeah. asked, like, who is the, you know, who's going to be the best? Yeah. Like, who's going to sit next to you, you know, Jesus? I, and Jesus says to them, like, the least of, the least of all, you know, of you. Like, serve one another. Yeah. Like, his answer is not at all of this world. Right. But he shows a way that liberates all of that. I think, you know, there is a clamor in choosing that direction mm. clamor in the mind um whenever one is in the direction of becoming like christ and feels there's like a lowliness not loneliness but lowliness of becoming less so that christ could increase right yeah. or allowing others to shine so that christ could um, reflect his glory right, right. and in that moment of a low place, and I'm not talking about like a low place like depression per se, yeah. but a low place like, like a, a humble place humility. where, yeah, hum we could call yeah, humility. It's a humble place where it's like you're literally, and this is love, right? You're the motive of love, difference between showing off and love is that mm. love is about motive of laying everything down for the sake of someone else. Mm. Whereas when you're showing off to impress, that's very different because right. there's something you want back, right? Yeah. But I'm talking about like a lowly place where you literally do something for the sake of someone else mm -hmm. so that ultimately they will know the Father's love. Mm. I think in that place, in that process of serving or um, sacrificing or being vulnerable, you know, with your heart or you know, sharing something that you don't want to share because it makes you feel exposed mm. or that you're human. And, you know, it's in that place where the clamor enters also. The enemy will enter like, do you, what are you doing there? Mm. Like, don't you think you should be lifted up? Right. <laughs> like, you know, I honestly think that happens a lot. Yeah. Because people are always looking for significance so much that when... The literally the plot is flipped for liberty, for freedom of love, and it is no longer about elevation of oneself. Mm. Enemy will come down and say, I, "You're making a fool of yourself." Do you know people don't even care about? Like, it's not even that it won't be effective. It's more like the enemy will whisper lies of insignificance yeah. and dismissiveness. You right. know, but. I think that's why love conquers all because when you lay it down because Christ has laid it down to love mm -hmm. and to serve out of that love to take to do something for someone because of love and no other motive but for someone else mm. that clamor literally becomes like like a mutter like yeah. it becomes like peripheral right it's just like like love has no ego or motive or like self motivating thing behind it 
Yeah, I think the process of loving is laying that down. Yeah. For an action, for something, for someone, mm -hmm. for the sake of someone. So I think that's. I want to. I, I, yeah, I want to emphasize that because I think when people are in that place, the enemy will make it seem like you're in the wrong place. Mm. You're in the wrong direction. Yeah, and I think like, you know, like we're like, it sounds so complex, yeah. but let's just put it in plain language, right? Yeah. Fights in a community, um, it's no different from si sibling rivalry. You know, like when you look at siblings fight for the approval of a parent or for the be for the best toy or for the best prize, like there's competition, but it doesn't mean that that doesn't exist in the body of Christ, mm -hmm, in the community yeah. of God. So how do you combat that? There's only one way to combat it. If it's really like what John the Baptist did when Jesus came to be baptized by him. Mm. You know, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, and his ministry began before Christ, right? And he was, you know, calling people to be baptized, to repent, and he was very well known. But when Jesus comes and says, um, baptize me, John, this is what I respect so much about John. There's so much about John the Baptist, but he, like, knew his place. Yeah. Like, his, he knew that... He said, um, you have to increase, I have to decrease, right? Mm. Like, I'm not even worthy to touch your feet, like your shoes, Jesus. Like, and Jesus tells him, no, you need to baptize me. But like that clarity is, that clarity of knowing that, yeah. um, I think it's a lot twisted in a community. Mm. Or like, you know, among disciples when people are kind of, Jesus is trying to teach them that being, being a servant is the best way. Yeah but they're all kind of fighting for a position. And in their mind, there's really only one position that's going to be the right-hand man, you know, to Jesus. So how do I climb that place of power? So there's all this, like, competition, even among the disciples. Um, so I think it gets twisted a lot. Like, it's what we see in families is also seen in the church. Mm. So it's not that it's a perfect community because it's God's community. It's a it's a it's a community that can be safe because there is an overflow. There is a fondant machine like you know yeah. Sam talked about that people can dip in because we are weak, because we have weaknesses, because there are insecurities mm. that were taught the way of love that the love literally melts these parts and fills these parts of us that in practice with one another in relationship it gets healed and in that healing and of and wholeness found is how the world will know like oh jesus is real he mm. is god's son yeah because there's no love like the one that god offers and the one that christ because the thing that comes to mind when we were talking about this is you know there's a verse in the bible that says uh to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. And I think it's it's almost literal as in like you deny, like before you even think about yourself, you're thinking about others just like Christ did and you follow after that model of Christ. And Christ did that so well to put, even though he's the son of God, he put himself out of the picture so that he could focus and be attentive to one individual and to love this person and make this person 
the focus of his attention you know it's like to to exemplify that in our lives like it's just I, I feel as if that that is the ultimate show of love like when when christ says you lay down your life for your friend is a is the is the greatest love there is it's just that's mm-hmm. what love is right like that's that's to put yourself aside or like to to deny yourself of your own ego or your self-glory so that you can celebrate another or to lift up another or to be there for another in their suffering or in their or in their achievements or accolades and such right again it's it's nice to say but how how do we live that out uh i don't know i mean i think it's it's hard i mean i I really don't know because like it's almost natural for us to kind of put ourselves in the picture more so than leave ourselves out. What does that mean? Um, to t- what, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, to like think about another person more so than, you know, making it about yourself per se. Like that's, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's very human for us to put ourselves in the picture more so than you know not think about what i get out of it or any kind of self-motivating agenda but you're making it all about who this person is and what they're about or i don't know I don't, or who they are you know more so than like what me you know it's not about me yeah I think that's tough Hmm. sometimes, especially when the great things are happening and you don't really know where you stand in that picture, right? Hmm. We see that with the elder brother, you know, he was the center of attention for, for a period of time because his younger brother left. And then when his younger brother comes back, he feels like there's a shadow cast on him. Hmm. And so he doesn't even want to join in on the very the very celebration of his younger brother, mm-hmm. right? But again, like, you know, I think we talked about this with Amen last week, but it's very nuanced in that it's not just linear, like, oh, the older brother didn't want to come in. There's so many different types of um, reactions to when people are being celebrated, that it's hard mm. to be in real time, be present, mm. right? So instead of perpetuating competition, I think the call of God is to lift each other up. And also Paul talks about how the gifts of the body are different and it's according to how the spirit you know, disperses the gifts. But how they play out to do the work of God and to build up the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the church of Corinth was kind of like boasting about all of that. Mm. Yeah, they thought, oh, the person was prophecy. And it's not just them. And you think this happens in every place. It's like, if one's gift is more dynamic, it will almost seem like, oh, why are they getting all the attention? Mm. Or why do they have that? There's comparison. Like, 
you know, like Instagram just heightens it. It's mm. just Instagram in many ways is like a profile of someone's talents, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow, how did they do that? Like, how is that picture so perfect? Or, you know, how do they? But in the body of Christ, it's the same thing, right? People have those, you know, have those issues where it's like, why can't I shine? Mm. Why can't I um, be in the forefront? Like, does what I do even matter? And Christians lose perspective of why we do what we do very often. Mm -hmm. And because we're human, it's not like you realize it one day and, you know, it it goes away forever. But it's like a training of laying yourself down for the sake of love, for the sake of serving, you know, each day, carrying the cross each day, that we are developed over process and time through the love of God mm. and and loving others, right? Mm. And James gives lots of warning about that too, about what happens to a community when envy takes over. Mm. He actually says that where there is envy, there's all sorts of evil practice and even witchcraft, he says. Mm. Because it's because really what happens is when there's competition and envy in any community, right, is when things get really, really, really wild. Like wild as in people start seeing things in very twisted ways. Mm. People lose perspective of relationship, of love, yeah. of history, of purpose, and things get really go haywire, right? Mm, yeah. And James talks about that. And so there is a training and a knowledge, um, uh, growing in knowledge of what God intends for the body of Christ. And that's why, you know, it is special in that, again, there's an overflow in the truth and the love of God that pours out. And that pouring out can be poured out like a river mm. and it can be like a rain. It can be like a drink of water. You know what I mean? It, it's so diff. It's how God, um, I guess, uh, shows that love is so practical and so dynamic that in the end, the body of Christ, the community of God is the hope of the world because that is made possible in it. You know Mm, what I mean? Yeah. So even though it's full of imperfect people, if we're modeling after Christ and drinking from being washed by the river of God that flows Mm. through it, it changes a community because it changes people. Right. uh, Because it seems like for a large part, when we are able to remove ourselves out of the picture and we are like dr sammy said fully committed to the other person fully committed to their flourishing more so even than our own that's that's like the exemplification of what love really looks like because it seems like when there's like envy involved or egos or you know agendas involved with other people or other parties it's that's it really detracts from god's mission or like what the community of god uh looks like or what what it what it was intended to be it's it was to celebrate others and you know love others well and not really make it about us or how we fit into things because i think um a lot of the times like and when i think about it for myself it's even the armor and the i guess the walls that i put up in terms of like 
not being able to facilitate love well in my life is is a product of me thinking about myself more so than other people as well like i'm kind of leaving them out on the periphery more so than letting them into my life and so it it detracts from what god can do Mm. in our community and in our lives yeah what do you mean by that (laughs) oh um detracts and attract like what do you mean by that <laughs> uh detracts like as yeah. in like it takes away from what god is doing right like because if i'm if i'm so fixated on like oh like how i look or that i'm like hard and like you know macho or whatever it's it's more so about me than really you know being immersed in love right like because if because if what god is doing in our lives and in my life is that is surrounding me with people that love me and his love and you know but i'm making it about myself and like what I can do or like me going through things alone right like this imp- or whatever image i'm trying to uphold in my life it, it takes away from what god is doing yeah I think at the end of the day you know i think we say that a lot like it's not about you it's not about mm. you it's not about you and you know it, it's true it's not about you it's not about me mm. but you know what i think the more biblical um because i think oftentimes it's not about you could seem like you don't matter right mm. but i think the biblical um, words are in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, mm. holy and pleasing to God, right? In view of God's mercy. So I think in view of God's mercy really means that you are, are submerged in the reminder and the history and the overflow of God's love. So therefore, you're able to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Yeah. It's not like... Um, cathartic or noble act of man to be christian to offer yourself to someone else for the sake of goodness Mm. we do it in view of god's mercy right and i think that's the part of the overflow that we forget it is because we have received so much that we can offer anything to anyone else Mm, we cannot offer anything if we're empty of it, like right. we are only able to offer forgiveness because we have been forgiven. We can only offer one to shine because someone, someone told us about the love of God, that God sees us mm-hmm. and that God opened our eyes to know that we, add, we can add value. You know, it's always in view of God's mercy. So I think the aspect of God's love poured out to us um, is so important in us doing good mm. for someone else right when we love someone else and i think that's why the outpouring of the river running through it as a gl- the glory the reflection of god's glory um of the community of god is really because apart from him it's just the ymca mm. you know but because of christ because of the love of god we are more than just a good organization right you know, mm-hmm. so I think in view of God's mercy, as I was leading worship yesterday, I kept getting in view of God's mercy. So like for every song, I kept saying in view of God's mercy, because I think that's what God is saying. Like, hey, it's not that I'm telling you to give everything you have away because you don't matter anymore. Now mm-hmm. that someone else is coming into the house of God, right. it's because I have given you everything. But just because you give away love that I have given you, you because you're giving away um, friendships and introducing others to these loving friendships you have met in this community, it doesn't mean that you are absent of them or you're you're um, you no longer have them. Yeah. 
it's because you have these that you can offer mm. you know it's because i gave them to you it's like what the father says to the elder son the elder son tells his own servant to go find out what's happening because there's so much like noise outside mm. when the son younger son comes and it, and ha there's a party and he's and it's just funny because and he calls his own servant so which means he's very privileged right mm. he just wants it all he's like in a place of hoarding and feeling like it's not enough and he forgot what he had received mm. and also i think god's saying to him like hey older son like in view of god's mercy that's translated to us now um through christ but jesus is teaching like hey even the elder but you have everything already yeah. You showing up does not take away from the love that I have shown you mm. or that I will show you today or that I will show you tomorrow. Right. But I think that's also the clamor and the insecurity where the enemy enters. Yeah. So it's like, you don't matter. Like, what are you doing here? You right. sure you want to enter that? Because you might become invisible. Do you like that feeling? I thought you want to matter. You sure that is the purpose of God? Mm. I think these are the clamors of noise and muttering and lies that often twists vision, yeah. um, blurs vision, and um, what's that word? Derails God's direction for our lives. Yeah. It seems that way. It seems that those are posed as hurdles so that it's harder for us to love and to receive love as God intended. Yeah. Because envy is so twisting. Mm. It actually takes away vision. Mm. So, yeah. So, so I guess my next question then is like, how, how do we stay on the tracks or like to really remain focused and really know what the intention of the community of God is about? Because if we exist and we are here as a product of God's love and mercy, um, and you know, we, and because of it, we want to share this love with others and we want other people to experience it also. It's like, how do we not lose sight of that? Well, I think when we're offended, we have to forgive right away. Mm. That's an example. Or when someone makes a mistake, you remember that at one point you made that mistake also. Mm. And um, offer mercy, forgiveness, um, not fall into judgment. Um, I don't know. When someone's struggling, be there for them. Yeah. Pray with them. Even if it takes away from our own comfort or convenience um yeah action um but i think forgiveness is big because i think oftentimes we could be like oh they're in that place like so messed up but you know deliberating an issue or struggle is totally it's good because you're trying to discern, figure out what's happening, right? When there's like tension or conflict in a relationship, right? The assessment is important, but what you do with that assessment, I think, is um, also more important, right? Mm. You can either choose judgment and cut off that connection or that opportunity, or you can choose forgiveness and mercy and recognize that it's a process for everyone, hmm. right? I mean, there are, yes, there's a nitty-gritty and the nuance of, you know, conflict resolution. But I'm talking about just, like, 
everyday struggle stuff, mm. like character formation stuff, like tension and conflict of being loved and loving others. And when it's hard, I'm talking about those things. I'm not talking mm. about like people creating havoc and hurting the body of Christ, but you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, I think we have to become a community that forgives. I mean, you know, Paul talks about bear with one another. There are times where it will be difficult um, to get along in the most ideal way. Yeah. But even then, to bear with one another, mm. um, that's still beyond tol- tolerating one another, right? Yeah. Still respecting um, where they are and loving them from afar. And, you know, maybe a little bit of distance for time. Who knows? But... Yeah, I think love has to be practiced mm. within community. And that's how it becomes a safe environment for others. When relationships become safe, that's how environment becomes safe. Mm. That's how be- community becomes safe. Right. So, it's ride or die. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I, I kind of just touched upon... Um, the church of Corinth because kind of just showing up but like i didn't you know this is just like imagination right but i only say this because i think in a purposeful church where gifts are kind of thriving mm. it's usually about a purpose right yeah because people use gifts for a purpose and and it's not much different from now right the gifts still exist people have gifts and it's um when there is a mission and there's a purpose and, you know, like the Church of Corinth, why is there all like this talk about gifts and who is better? And, you know, Paul talks about how, you know, love is the greatest gift of all, right? All this stuff is like just a lot of clamor and noise of you saying who's better because I have this gift or what, or this gift is more important, you know? And then Paul says in Corinthians 13 says, Love, like, love is the ultimate, the best gift, right? So, but, like, you know, I wonder about that, like, why was all that talk? And if I could just imagine for a little bit, like, you know, we are a pretty missional community, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a celebration when someone comes to Christ. But I think because we, and it's not just we, but, like, any missional community, people take a while um, to come to a place of recognition of from atheism to agnosticism to becoming a follower of Christ, right? That takes a while. Mm. It's rarely overnight. Sometimes it's a year. Sometimes it's like two years, right? So in order for an atheist or agnostic person to enter into a community, that means that there's a lot of investment of relationships mm. and time and meals eaten together and prayers and, you know, pr- prayer uh, hovering like prayer circles like in secret in public that happens but it's almost like you prepare for something and people are in it together but once the person comes to christ per se or a person almost um or comes back to the father from feeling lost for a while uh, um from faith I think that's kind of like we may not always verbalize it as um, Paul had to address 
back in the day, but like maybe in secret, right? It's not so black and white, but I think there's like, what about what I did? Mm. Like, what about my investment? Like, what about that time, you know, I spoke to this person about Christ? Like, I think it's that part that really brought that person around the Mm. bend. Or, you know, that meal must have really helped that person feel like they were welcome. And I think this could happen, and it does. Like, there's almost like people... Brownie, people's needs come out mm. of recognition, like need for significance comes out, and with the clamor, like, and a lot of competition, I think, happens in that moment mm-hmm. when it's really, yeah, you could call it like searching for significance, searching for you know purpose, and you could, you know, just like shut everyone up by saying it's not about you, but it's a real struggle, I think, and mm. I think that's what Paul was addressing, like, hey. You're not better because you just prayed that for that person and you knew exactly what to pray for them. Mm-hmm. You're not better because you're the one who led them to Christ. You're not better because you taught them the first worship song. You're mm-hmm. not better because, you know, you were there when everybody left the room and the person was stuck in the bathroom and everyone went to dinner and you're the only one who saw it. So you stuck by mm. to walk them to the restaurant so they wouldn't feel alone. Like all of the parts of the bodies and the gifts used matters to the purpose and the point in view of God's mercy. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think even then, like that is like, I think that's like the heart of God to become a family that does not compete with one another. Yeah but recognizes that God has a design for every single person and playing a part. Yeah. And everyone celebrating the parts that were played to this big celebration of someone's homecoming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'll just share this. It's just, it's just like a funny, funny uh, example. And there's this... Um, this uh, person, right, that I in our in our community, right? She's really funny, so it's kind of like a funny thing. But um, she does like a gratitude, gratefulness journal every day mm-hmm. on her Facebook, like open to all her friends to see public, right? So like you know, every day she'll mention something like, "Oh, today I got to eat a meal with my friend. I'm so grateful to God for that," right? Mm-hmm. And then, so it's, she's like kind of like a day 200 or something, right? One day, and you know, I'll give you the backstory and the inside story, uh, the outside story, right? What people see. Yeah, I did have a conversation with her, right? I felt convicted by a mess, by a Sunday message, and I had a conversation with her. And the conversation sometimes does not go well with everyone, okay? Mm-hmm. But it went well. And she felt blessed by it. She felt recognized, and she was able to see what God was showing her. So on that day, she writes, um, the next day she goes, you know, she writes, today I'm so grateful for um, my pastor. And I have, and is it okay to have a favorite pastor? Mm. Like she kind of alludes to that, right? And then, um, but I'm really thankful for something like community that, and pastors that are willing to show me truth and love so that I can go, something like that. Like I'm kind of paraphrasing. Mm. Well, I saw I saw her, right? And I, I said, hey, you know, I, 
she was, she was like, oh, you know, Pastor Lydia, like, can I buy you a meal? I was so blessed by that, whatever, whatever. I said, like, I accept your love. Like, thank you so much, like, for showing me appreciation. Mm. Because, I mean, that's rare, too. Like, people don't often show appreciation for the things that you would do for others, right? right. But she was really appreciative. And then... um she goes like, Philip, but you're like, okay. She's like, Pastor Lydia, but you already know you are my favorite pastor. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, you made it pretty clear, like, because we just talked. But, you know, hey, you know, did you did it occur to you? Um, let me just share with you, you know, if, if the message was not about that, like, for example, like, if Dr. Sammy didn't preach about that, mm. I would not have been convicted even about it to talk to you about about it yeah so you know the body of christ is not about favorites because of the impact you feel from that one person it's teamwork it's all interconnected yeah it's it's teamwork it's everyone playing a part together Mm. so that the body of christ can be edified edified really is a fancy word for building up not broken down and um i told her and (laughs) she was like she was like oh that's true that's true thank you so much you're right you're right and i wasn't trying to like scold her or anything Mm. but i think often it could become like that you know like oh i like this pastor oh i like this person in the community but you know what let me tell you like for the mission of god to be done in a church on a small scale to a bigger scale there's so many hands behind the scenes to even make the projector work. There's so many people that have to plug in the machines for the lights to turn on. Mm -hmm. Someone changes the light bulb, right? Someone has to update the iOS. Like, these are things that are done. And there are people who will give prophetic words. And there Mm -hmm. will be people who will be, who in the moment will feel the boldness to lead someone to Christ. But there were many who bought meals and coffee and hugged that person when the person who led them to Christ was somewhere else doing something else. Like, you know, Mm. it's not, I keep using this word because like, I actually love this word right now. Mm. People coming to Christ is not linear at all. There's Mm. so many interconnected parts of how God moves in his fondue of overflowing love and how he engages the body so that the person, when the people can finally come home and, I think that's when we can recognize that. Um, even when it is not expressed, like when we tell someone's story of coming to Christ, we don't list every single person because mm-hmm. in that point, it's like it's not really a movie script yeah. where you have to write all the credits because ultimately, when someone comes to Christ, the only one who really gets the glory should be God because right. He's really the one who orchestrated it all. And then the community of God that volunteered to make that happen, right? right? But all the names are not mentioned. But if you are serving, if you are in any remote way, you should know that you... Okay, I don't like the word should, but I want you to know you play a huge part. Right. In what is the church? Mm. What is the community of God? Mm. Your part plays so that your part and role matters in the in loving others. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually do feel led to say that because I think oftentimes that's where a lot of the rivalry 
competition mm-hmm. and envy stirs up in the body of Christ. And people are kind of like stuck in a place like, oh, I want to celebrate, but I'm kind of like pissed off because I didn't get much credit. Mm-hmm. Or um, like, do they even remember what I did for them? Like, mm-hmm. what, does this even matter? And the clamor comes. The enemy yeah. will be like, yeah, that ungrateful person, right. you know? Or that's when the lies enter because warf- and that's like when God's movement is real, warfare also stirs up. Yeah. Because sometimes the enemy will take any casualty. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. Yeah. He'll take anything. So I think as we, as we grow um, to be more like the father, it's not that it's not about you that you don't matter, but it's in view of God's mercy offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Mm as a real spiritual act of worship to God, to know the perfect will of God. Like, you know? Yeah, we're all involved and very interconnected in this community to be in part of that process of love. Yeah. And when there is an imbalance, I think God's love really brings about the peace to mm. the imbalance. When you feel like, well, I feel like I did all this. And, um, and the body of Christ also comes around with the overflow of God's love and reminds people like, hey, you know, we are loved. You know, like, mm. it's so simple sometimes, but it's not. And that, But I think God dreams of that community. Yeah. And that's what Jesus was praying for, mm. that when the people of God love each other, then the world will know that God sent His Son. Mm. Then His glory will be, you know, reflected for others to finally, like, know Him. Mm. So I think it's so important and that's kind of like how love and action, you know, yeah. plays out. Yeah. Right. I really like that. I think, um, I mean, well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I say I really like that because I think at the end of the day, like we live and we're living this life so that we can really make it about Christ. And what Christ envisions for all of us, all of His children, um, whether lost or found, like it's it's really about the love that God has for us and this love that we can share with one another. And it's a it's a really really beautiful thing. And I guess a lot of it gets lost in translation when um, there, and there's many many factors like spiritual factors, the, like demonic factors and human factors that come into play that kind of can detract from I think what God knows and hopes for us to really experience is the greatest gift of all which is love and um for me i i know this to be true and i know it as like i want to live it out in practice but it's it's not always the easiest to live out in practice and to remind ourselves that you know it, it really is about how we can all be involved in this in this relationship and in this process of loving each other well and uh, in the way that Christ intended. And so I think it's like just to put it all out there on the table and like really helping us to remain focused on what's important here is is not really like what our small differences or small, um, you know, whatever, I guess, hindrances we have from really living out fully in love is you know we, we really want to make it about christ at the end of the day and what what this really amazing gift is for all of us and i think um 
you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I just really appreciate this conversation just in totality. Cause it's like, it's not, it's, it is a very simple and straightforward thing to talk about or to, to present in a message, but it's not always the easiest to figure it out on your own. And so I'm very grateful to have this conversation with you about it. Cause it clears up a lot of things for me. Yeah. So I guess like my last words of just application would be if you are on, if you're not in a place where you're actually actively in relationship with people and you want, and I would say just step out, mm -hmm. share your struggles and join in on a celebration. Yeah. Like simple as that. Right. But go for it. Yeah. Reach out. Yeah. Like really just go for it. If you happen to be like that quiet soul, that's just like to yourself reach out when you struggle, share your struggle, just try it. Mm. And um, build relationship around being known and um, being loved and loving others. Because being like Christ without action of love, it doesn't, it's just good and it just sounds good. Mm. It's just good in theory. You could read it all you want. We could say it all we want, but if we don't take action, then it will be empty like there's it's in vain mm. so yeah a church celebration of someone's homecoming for example is everyone's celebration mm -hmm. so don't feel like oh well i'm not really uh i i don't feel dynamically involved in this so i'm just gonna take myself out of this celebration no. or no join in find out what it feels like to celebrate yeah. someone coming to christ someone returning to christ and you know what simple gesture of even saying hey welcome home mm -hmm. like that's our logo right like welcome home telling someone welcome home um start take small steps because I know social anxiety and being in relationship is like a hard thing. Mm -hmm. But these are small steps that you can take. Or when you're struggling, um, go to small group and say, hey, I actually have been having a rough time. Can you pray for me? Mm -hmm. You don't have to have everything figured out to share your struggle. Just say, hey, I'm having a rough time. Like I had a bad day at work. I had a really horrible week at home. Can you pray for me? Can you keep me in prayer? Can you, can you keep, can you kind of check on, check in on me? Mm -hmm. Can you sit with me? Um, can I cry on your shoulders? Like these could sound like, oh, that's like kind of like, I don't know. What's the word? Really um, too fuzzy. But actually yeah. that's what love is. You know, being the shoulder for someone to cry on speaking to someone um because you care hmm. it's about taking the step you know so try it these are like small steps and it will compound into really fruitful relationships so in closing words refer to the ministry time it was a powerful time of praying together and, you know, so many reminders. And, you know, Sam actually gives a word. And it could sound generalized, but I, 
it is a prophetic word, mm-hmm. right? It is a perfect, prophetic word that this year there will be many misunderstandings and the enemy will attack in that way. But to overcome by forgiving quickly, mm-hmm. by loving each other, like that's really the only remedy. Because when a community is in the direction of becoming more like the Father to one another and to the world that is in need of His love, it the enemy will attack mm. in so many so many creative ways of clamor, right? So let's overcome together in love. Let's cover each other in love. And let's overcome even the darkest times together, the struggles together, the highs and the lows together. Let's overcome them together mm. from the deepest depression, like the lowest to the spiritual attacks and even in the midst of struggle if there is a reason to celebrate let's not forget to celebrate and let's lift each other up and encourage one another in between all of these things let's become that community Mm. um, that jesus prayed and dreamt about dreamed about so that's all i gotta say (laughs) thank you so much for the conversation pastor lydia Thanks, Joe, mm. and hope you feel better. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm I am feeling better. Uh, and uh, yeah. Okay. Till next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Will you lift your hands to the Lord today? Will you answer the call? As Jesus prayed for you two thousand years ago, in the in the lowest moment of his life, in the greatest moral distressing event that would occur in his life. Will you answer his prayer to the Father? He saw you as the hope. You and me as the hope of the world. Will we pray today that we become men and women that embodies the perpetual fountain, the fondue of love that God is at the center of the universe? How strong is 180 going to be in 2020? Well, it'll depend on how strong the relationships, how strong the relationships will be in this community. How much we'll celebrate the successes of others and how much we'll share in the pain and the drops that come up suddenly and suddenly in our lives. And if you invest that moment together, even though sometimes it's fuzzy and blurry. Collectively, if we can do that, we will see and represent the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the world will see and validate the testimony of Jesus. Because love, that kind of love is foreign to this world. Father, we come before you this afternoon. Father, we can't control the highs. Can't control the lows. Those are out of our control. But we can choose who we're going to ride or die with. 
Father, we pray that we become that community that you envisioned that the church would become to reflect this perpetual community of love before the foundation of the world. Will you pray right now? Say, God, I want to be part of that. I want to answer that prayer that Jesus prayed. And so this year, I think there will be a lot of resistance, misunderstanding the enemy will attack relationships in our community, misunderstandings. But will you forgive quickly? like Jesus forgave you? Will we try to be more loving, patient and kind with each other, burying one another? And when you run out of supply, when you feel like you can't handle it anymore, you've got to remember the most important thing in this message. You're not the fondue. You're, you're not the chocolate. God is. Will you draw your love and the supply you need from him directly? Because he is literally, in essence, the perpetual community of love of all time and beyond time. I wonder what would happen if we become that community this year. How many lives would be changed? How many hearts would be healed? How many in despair won't be lonely? And how many of those who are succeeding in life feel like people are cheering them on? And reflect the glory of God. We bow our heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We want to invite you to join us for our Sunday service. We meet at the AMC Lowe's Theater at 19th and Broadway in Manhattan at 12 noon, and we'd love to see you guys there. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 